Welcome everybody to a special edition of our Torah podcast in honor of the upcoming holiday of Hanukkah. The Gemara in Yuma tells us, on Choftes, it says regarding the Pasuk and Tilim, the praise to, the, to the, the light of the morning. That old chapter, chapter 22 in Tilim, is a reference to the story of Purim, to Esther. And the more I ask, why is Esther compared to the Shachar, to the, to the light that's early, right, right the end of the night, right before dawn? It's because Esther was the end of all miracles. And therefore, that's why it was the, in all the biblical time, it was the end of all miracles. That's why it's referred to as Shachar, as the dark part, the end of that period of time. Twitch Sigmora asked the question, what do you mean? The story of Hanukkah took place a couple hundred years after the story of Purim. There was a great miracle in the, in the story of Hanukkah also. Sigmora concludes that might be true, but the story of Hanukkah was lunit in the custom, was not meant to be written down. What does that mean exactly? Why is the Hanukkah story different than anything else, any other miracles that it wasn't meant to be written down? Now indeed, the Hanukkah story, of course, is after the canonization of Tanakh, but that itself is a question. Why? Why couldn't they canonize the Tanakh after the story of Hanukkah that it should be included in the Tanakh too, in the scriptures? Perhaps we can understand it like this. The Gaulists of Yavam, the Jewish people, found themselves in the Greek exile. It was unique amongst the different Gaulists and different exiles that Jewish people had to endure. In the Gaulists of Yavam, we find there was a, the Jewish people were tremendously influenced, unfortunately. The Misyavnim, the Hellenists, became literally, it was, it was, they were rampant throughout the Jewish people. We don't find that by the period of the, the Gullus of the Babylonian or the Persian exiles, that the Jewish people had become assimilated into the, into the nation, that they had become part of the exile, so, so comfortable with it. But Hanukkah said that wasn't the case. And the Yavon, the people, many Jewish became Misyavnim. And the reason for that was the Greeks had something that was actually quite attractive to the, to the Jewish people. The wisdom and the philosophy that they that they presented was something that the Jewish people were impressed by that. But was, there was an insidious intent on the part of the Greeks, though, that through the philosophy and through the beauty that they that they appreciated and enjoyed, they wanted to infiltrate into the kedusha, the sanctity of the Jewish people, the holiness of the Jewish people. The different types of mitzvahs that they banned were taught in Megillus Chashmanoim. They banned the mitzvah of Shabbos, the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, and the mitzvah of circumcision. The idea behind all of this is, again, Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, that represents time. They wanted to, they wanted to, to be able to, to contaminate the Jewish concept of holiness in time, the holidays. Circumcision, same idea. They wanted to try to contaminate the sanctity, the holiness associated with the human being, with the Jew. We believe there's a Kedusha Sisrael, the sanctity of the Jewish people. They tried to eliminate that Kedusha, that holiness, by banning the mitzvah of the mitzvah of, of circumcision. That's why the Greeks never had intention to destroy the Beis Mikdash, as did the Babylonians and later on the Romans. Their intent, they appreciated the Beis Mikdash. They understood the Jewish, but the Beis Mikdash represented something great. But they wanted to contaminate it. All the oil that they found they contaminated. They didn't destroy the oil. They contaminated the oil because they wanted to have a negative impact on the Jewish people. The miracle of the Hanukkah story was that a small group of Kohanim, the Hashmonoim, took it upon themselves 
to wage war against the mighty Greek Empire. Amazingly, Matisio and his five sons were quite successful. And they were they fought valiantly with tremendous mysterious nefesh. And they were successful, and ultimately they won the battle that allowed them to regain control of the Besamikdash, and they re- once again they relit the menorah. Now many people think that's the end of the story. We celebrate the holiday of Hanukkah because when they won the war. But that's not really true. If you take a look in the book of Maccabees, the war continued after the Hanukkah miracle for another 20 years. By the time the war ended, four out of the five Maccabees' sons had already died. Shimon was the only remaining son. He would ultimately become the Kohen Gadol. All the sons of, I mean, of, all, of the Jewish people themselves were so worn out from the fighting that pretty much it was a war of attrition. And the war pretty much just fizzled up by itself eventually. So the Jewish people had won a victory, perhaps, in the Hanukkah story, but they hardly won the war. If that's the case, why do we celebrate it? What's the significance of the celebration if they didn't even win everything? Granted, they regained control of the base Simigdash, but again, only 200 years later, it was destroyed by the Romans. So at best, it was a temporary victory. So why do we celebrate it? What's so important about the holiday of Hanukkah? Perhaps we can understand it, though, that interesting insight in the story of Yosef and his brothers, which is always read during the week of Hanukkah. The rabbis tell us that when Yosef was sold into slavery, and it says he was sold to a group of spice merchants, the rabbis tell us this was unique because most of the caravans in those days would carry different types of foul-smelling materials, tar, kerosene, things like that, which, which were difficult to breathe, to smell. The caravan Yosef was sold to, on the other hand, was a caravan of sweet-smelling spices. Therefore, it was there to be able to allow Yosef to go down to Egypt in comfort. This is a difficult concept to understand. What's the house? Do you think that Yosef's on Yosef's mind what it smells like? He's just been taken away from his home. He doesn't know if he'll ever see his father again, for that matter. His own brother, his own flesh and blood have turned against him, wanted to kill him, and ultimately sold him into slavery. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what's going to be in the future, what the future holds for him. He must have been so dejected, so depressed, so broken at that moment. Do you honestly think that he's going to be thinking about, it smells nice, I like the the fragrance. That's the last thing on his mind. Motopagamansky gives an interesting analogy, though. There was a person, Motopagamansky was one of the great Scholars of Tel Zushiv in Lithuania. There was a person that was in a coma. And a family is crowding about him to see if he'll wake up from the coma to see what can, if anything can be done for him. And suddenly, while they're waiting there, they see that his eyelid begins to flutter a little bit. Quickly, they run over to the doctor. Doctor, take a look. Quick, look, look. There's his, his eyes fluttering. Now, the fellow's still in a coma. He still is not responding to anything at all. But the fact that they see a little movement, that itself brings them excitement. In some ways, it's like a little bit of a wink from God, as it were. Hashem has just winked at them and showed them, you know what? Don't give up hope. There's still a possibility. He's on the road to recovery, slow, slow recovery perhaps. But he'll get, he'll get out of it, don't worry. That's to understand with Yosef also. It's certainly thing like they look what's look pretty pretty horrific. What's gonna be in the future and what's gonna be with his family? Yosef had no idea. 
But when he saw that, what it smelled like, which is unique because it didn't usually smell pleasant. It was usually a, a harsh smell, a foul smell. And when Yosef sees that, he realized there's a wink from heaven. I don't know what the future holds for me, but Hashem hasn't forgotten about me. It could have been a lot more difficult. The fact that there's something different, something special over here, that itself tells me, that itself shows me that it's not going to, that, that, that things, Hashem hasn't forgotten about me. And that's the same thing with the Hanukkah story too. Jewish people were in the, still in the midst of the war. They had no idea what's going to be the future. Were they going to win? They're not going to win. But that little victory, and for that matter, when they found that little flask of oil, that only enough oil to last for one night and lasted for eight nights, that was a little wink from above. Hashem was telling them, certainly the war is not won yet. But nevertheless, though, you're on the right, well, you're on the right path. It'll come. You'll see the victory will yet come. That's the understanding. That's the miracle. That's the story of Hanukkah. The story of Hanukkah ultimately is, it's a wink from above. And therefore, as such, the Hanukkah story could not be written. You can only write a story that's a complete story. The Hanukkah story is still being written. The Hanukkah story is a story of the Jewish people in exile. The Hanukkah story presents the little wink from above. The things are getting on the right path. Things will go, things will go well. Don't worry. Everything will end out okay. There's a story, as long as the Jew is in Gullis, though, the story is still being written. We still see those little winks once in a while that Hashem tells us, I haven't forgotten about you. Difficult, so many different sorrows to Jewish people, so many different difficulties the Jewish people have gone through over the course of exile. Persecutions and banished exiles, etc. But throughout, they always look for those little signs, the little wink from above. Hashem telling us, I know it's difficult. I know it's, I know it's not easy. But nevertheless, though, I want you, I didn't forget about you. I'm there for you. And ultimately, you'll see, like the Hanukkah, like Hanukkah candles continue to burn brightly, little twinkling lights, but they burn brightly for years and years and years. Thousands of years later, we still burn those Hanukkah candles every single, every single year in order to serve as a little bit of a reminder that the Almighty has not forgotten us and that He's here together with us during the, during the period of exile. Have a great week, everybody. And Mr. Hashem, happy Hanukkah. We'll be together again next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.